Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for Wednesday, November 14th, 2018. A lot of games to talk about. We've got 11, so there's uh, going to be a lot of options. And we've also got the debut of Jimmy Butler on the Sixers, and then uh, Dario Saric and Robert Covington expected to make their Timberwolves debut. Uh, so I'm just going to get into it because... A lot of stuff to talk about here with the games. Uh, first one, we've got the Sixers. Like I said, Jimmy Butler making his debut with the team. Uh, they are playing in Orlando. So I, I think the way that I'm going to approach this, at least for now, is I, I like that there's 11 games here, so we have a lot of options to look at because I don't really know what the usage is going to shake out of what the offense is going to look like with Jimmy Butler in there. Uh, I think Joel Embiid's been playing really well recently, so a 10,500 in a plus matchup against the Magic. I'm fine with him as a GPP play. Uh, it's just tough to trust him in cash games because we could see that usage go down with Butler there. Uh, I don't think it's too likely. Like I think it's going to go down a little bit. I don't think it's going to take a huge nosedive or anything. But just because I kind of want to see the pace they play at and what the team looks like, I, I don't think we really need to have a lot of exposure here when there's so many options and a lot of unknowns. Uh, from the Orlando side of the game, tough matchup against the Sixers. No real pricing value here. We've got uh, Aaron Gordon back from injury. Uh, Looks like Jonathan Isaac is potentially going to play tomorrow. He hasn't been ruled out yet. Uh, If he does play, I expect it's going to be on some sort of minutes restriction. Uh, But still, really tough matchup against the Sixers, who are one of the better defensive teams in the league. I know a lot of people think that they've gotten better because they've acquired Jimmy Butler uh, in terms of defense. like I think that Jimmy Butler is a better player than Robert Covington. But Robert Covington is still a really, really good defensive player. He was somebody who I thought should have been first-team all-defense last year. So... While Butler, I think, is really good on defense, you can't be better than what Covington was on defense. So I just kind of think it's an equal trade-off. I don't really think this is all of a sudden going to be Sixers, a way better defensive team. I mean, last year the Sixers were the third best team uh, by defensive rating in the NBA, and they probably would have been number one if it wasn't for uh, Joel Embiid having his face broken by Markel Fultz. So Fultz, really uh, negative everywhere for, for the team, but... Uh, but that was towards the end of the season. We saw, uh, what was it, a broken cheekbone for Embiid, missed like the last stretch of the regular season. If it wasn't for that, they would have been the best defense in the league. Y- you can't go up from the best. So I think that uh, Butler doesn't hurt their defense, but you, it's, he's not going to help them either. So with that said, though, either way, no thanks for me on Orlando for Wednesday. Uh, next game, the Cleveland Cavaliers playing at the Washington Wizards. Uh, at the time that I'm recording this, it is halftime of the Cavs-Hornets game. The Cavs are going to be playing on the tail end of a back-to-back on the road. Cavs up 16 points on the Hornets, so easily what's been their best performance of the year so far, although they will probably end up getting their asses kicked in the second half, uh, or maybe not. Uh, but what was significant about the first half of that game is that we saw uh, Tristan Thompson really played extremely well, actually outplayed Larry Nance in the first half. Now, I'm of the belief that Larry Nance is the better player. He's the better fantasy producer. Uh, That has not been the case over the last few games, but I'm not really changing my stance on that. So for Wednesday's games, I'm still, I'm on Larry Nance, and I don't think I'm going to be on Tristan Thompson. I just think Nance is the better player, the better fantasy contributor. Uh, If you look at their uh, per minute stats this year, been pretty even Nance a little over a fantasy point per minute, Thompson a little bit under that mark. But if you look at them last year, uh, Tristan Thompson played 
28 minutes per game, scored 20, uh, uh, 20 minutes per game, scored 16 fantasy points per game. Last year for Nance, he played uh, 21 fantasy, 21 minutes per game, scored 22.8 fantasy points per game. So Nance is just the much better permanent fantasy producer for their careers, for the recent history. Uh, the, the exception being the last week or so of games where Tristan Thompson has just been rebounding out of his mind. Uh, I still, I think Nance at 5,500, really good cash game play, really good GPB play. Uh, the other guy, Colin Sexton at 5,000. Just getting too many minutes right now as the point guard, huge role, a lot of safety. It's too cheap of a price at 5,000. I think he's a good play for GPPs and for cash games. Uh, I'm not overly concerned about the tail end of a back-to-back and a potential blowout here because I think we see Sexton in the game no matter what the situation. If it's close, Sexton's going to be in. If it's a blowout, I think we see Sexton in there in garbage time. So I think he's a good play at 5,000. From the Wizards side of the game, uh, I brought this up a lot of times before. The Wizards, much better team at home than on the road. But with that said, 12-point spread in this one, a lot of blowout risk. So John Wall, Bradley Beal, Dwight Howard, I think all these guys are good GPP plays. I think there's a lot of upside in their price tag. But it's tough to trust them in a cash game just because of how uh, wide the spread is right now. But definitely for uh, for for cash games, I mean for GPPs, I think they have upside. Uh, next game is the Miami Heat at the Brooklyn Nets. From the Heat side of the game, I think we could look at Hassan Whiteside, eighty four hundred. Uh, he's had a lot of shown a lot of upside this year. The floor isn't always there, but really plus matchup against the Nets. And the other thing to consider too is we have Jared Allen once again questionable to play with the illness. If Allen is out, they started uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson at center last game. If that's the case again, I don't know how anybody's going to stop Sun Whiteside on the board. So to me, Whiteside is a GPP play. However, if Jared Allen is ruled out and we see Rondé Hollis-Jefferson start at center in that situation, I'm good with Whiteside in a cash game because it, it's just tough to imagine that they would have have any way to keep him off the glass. Uh, from the net side of the game, Karis Levert. That injury, which looked really terrible when it happened, it looked like a Gordon Hayward-esque injury. It looked like his leg snapped, his foot was on the wrong way, but it just ended up being that it was dislocated, no breaks, no significant ligament damage. So we don't know an exact timetable on Karis LeVert right now. We know that he's not playing on Wednesday night, but it looks like he's going to be able to play again at some point this season. Uh, With LeVert off the floor, we saw D'Angelo Russell make nine threes last game. I think he's going to see more usage. Spencer Dinwiddie started the second half in place of LeVert, so at 4,900, I think that he makes sense. And then between Ed Davis and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, I think one of them ends up starting in place of Jared Allen if Jared Allen's out. So whichever one of those guys ends up starting is a sensible value play, Uh, but I'm not going to be on either of them if Jared Allen ends up playing. Uh, Next game, we have the Chicago Bulls of the Boston Celtics. Another game with a pretty big spread right now. I'm looking at 12 points. So from the Bulls side of the game, tough matchup, blowout risk. I am not going to be on them in this spot. I think we could fade them. And then from the Celtics side of the game, the issue I have with the Celtics that that I'll talk about pretty much whenever they're on a slate is that the production and the minutes are just so spread out with this team. And we add the blowout risk into the mix. I just don't see a lot of floor or ceiling for them. So I just think we're going to have better spots to target. The Celtics and the Bulls, both sides of that game, is going to be a fade for me. Uh, Next game is the Detroit Pistons at the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Another game, 10-point spread. There is some blowout risk here. Uh, Should be a little bit faster pace, at least, than the Celtics game. But still, 
from the Pistons side, we've got Blake Griffin's expensive. Andre Drummond is expensive. There's the blowout risk. There's other spots I would rather pay up. Uh, from the Raptors side of the game, Lowry and Leonard, I think, are both kind of okay. You could roster them if you're in a pinch and like their salaries fit the last spot, but, but not core plays for me, not guys that I think you need to have in there. Uh, blowout risk and just not not a bad matchup, but not a great matchup either. It's just, it's just a lot of fair pricing to me. Uh, next game is the New York Knicks at the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, from the Knicks side of the game, I, I do think there's a lot of guys with upside on the Knicks just because they're cheap and a lot of young players who we don't really know what to make a lot of them as prospects at this point in time. Like Frank Nielakina, who I'm, I'm kind of one fit foot out the door with. I don't think he's been particularly impressive on the offensive end of the floor. Kevin Knox, we haven't seen very much of him. The issue with even though there is upside, when we have 11 games on the slate, the minutes are so all over the place for the Knicks where sometimes it's Neil Aquina playing point guard, sometimes it's Trey Burke, sometimes it's Emmanuel Moutier, sometimes it's Alonzo Trier. There's just so many guys that could potentially get minutes that I just don't think we have to go to them on a slate with this many games. From the Thunder side of the game, uh, there is some, there's going to be blowout risk here. Russell Westbrook has been listed out for the game the injury report's not always reliable except right now the expectation is that he will not play uh so paul george steven adams i think they're both okay for uh gpp and then jeremy grant's gone back down to 4700 if you look at the production from grant over the last few games uh 22, 24, 21, 26, 28, 39 fantasy points. He has something like 10 games in a row with at least 21 fantasy points and as much as the 39. So I think we look at Jeremy Grant at 4,700. I think that he makes sense for cash games and GPP. And he's somebody who, even if it's a blowout, we see on the floor in the fourth quarter of garbage time. So I think that he is the best play from them. Uh, Next game, we have the New Orleans Pelicans at the Minnesota Timberwolves. And once again, we have Nikola Mirotic and Alfred Payton questionable to play. They both missed last game. Payton's been out for a while. Uh, when Mirotic is out, we see Julius Randle move into the starting lineup, and Randle's had a lot of success in that situation. Uh, two games of the starter, 48 and 38 fantasy points. So if you look at the 6900 price tag, I think that that is uh, a good spot for Randle. GPPs, cash games, definitely want to play him if Mirotic is out and he's starting. Uh, in terms of Alfred Payton, we just kind of see guard minutes spread around when he isn't there. Uh, Drew Holiday is a fine play. Anthony Davis is a fine play. This should be a really high-scoring game, so this actually is a game that I like to stack for this slate, uh, more so if Miritich is out. From the Minnesota side of the game, we have Jeff Teague and Andrew Wiggins once again both listed as questionable. Considering they both played last game, I think they should be fine to go in this one. Uh, if they do end up getting ruled out, then we'll have to adjust to that news, but I don't see any reason that they would uh, end up missing. I think this is just a a case of an injury report not being updated by the team. Carl Anthony Towns at 9,500. I think we could roster him. We saw what his usage looked like last game with Jimmy Butler out. He put up uh, actually only 11 shot attempts, but he did get to the line a few times. uh, Ended up pulling down 21 rebounds. Overall, I think we're going to see a bigger role for Carl Anthony Towns with Jimmy Butler out of the lineup, and I think that he is somebody who's worth paying up for in GPPs and cash games. Uh, Jeff Teague, I think, makes sense at 5,600. He went right back to his old role last game, uh, played 35 minutes. He was uh, expected to be on some kind of a minutes restriction after missing a couple of weeks 
with knee soreness but just came back and Thibodeau's like fuck that this guy is playing the entire game we're giving him all the minutes so yeah that's that's how Tibbs works he's gonna run all his guys into the ground until the wheels fall off so Jeff Teague at 5600 I think is fine for GPPs and cash games and then Robert Covington at 4700 assuming he starts uh, we know what Tibbs likes to do, and that is he plays his starters a lot of minutes. 4700 to me is just too cheap for Robert Covington. Uh, good play for cash games and GPPs as long as he's in that starting lineup. Uh, next game is the Memphis Grizzlies at the Milwaukee Bucks. We have a, I think this should be a fairly defensive game. I actually think the 216.5 over-under is a little bit too high right now. Uh, I think guys like Jaron Jackson and Mike Conley fine for uh, GPPs, but still also nine and a half point spread. The Bucks have been really good this year, so a little bit of blowout risk. From the Bucks side of the game, I think there's other places I'd prefer to target. The Grizzlies have been a top five defense at limiting fantasy points this year. They're one of the better defensive teams in the league. They also play at a really slow pace. So for that reason, I don't think the Bucks make for a great target on this slate. I'd rather pay up for uh, Anthony Davis and Carl Anthony Towns than Giannis on this one. Uh, next game is the Utah Jazz at the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Donovan Mitchell still remains a little bit cheap at 7,400. Uh, had a rough game last time out with 21 fantasy points. Before then, uh, 33, 45, 35, 40 fantasy points. So 7,400, I think that that's a good price for Mitchell for cash games and GPPs. Nobody else that I really like from the Utah side. And then from Dallas, I just rarely ever end up playing anybody against the Utah Jazz. And it's going to be no different in this game. Uh, the Mavericks have not been uh, particularly uh, offensive juggernaut this year. I do like Luka Doncic quite a bit, but I don't think this is the spot to roster him. Uh, next, we have the San Antonio Spurs at the Phoenix Suns. And some value from the Spurs side of the game because we have Rudy Gay and Pau Gasol. Both expected to miss the game. Derek White has been listed on the injury report with a knee injury, but I'm pretty sure that's just a clerical error because uh, uh, who who was it? He's in place of uh, Lonnie Walker, who has a knee injury. They have Derek White listed as having the knee injury, and Walker's not on the injury report. So that's just the mix-up there. Derek White should be fine. He should be starting. I think that he's a good play for GPPs and cash games at 4700 uh, he started three games now. Uh, pretty mixed results. Six fantasy points in the first time out, but that was with kind of limited minutes, only 16. Then a great game, 35 fantasy points a second start. Then struggled a little bit against the Kings, but still put up uh, 20 fantasy points at a 4,300 price tag. Looking at him at 4,700 in a really strong matchup against the Suns, definitely the easiest matchup he's had so far. I like Derek White here. I think that he's a good play. Uh, and then we could go to LaMarcus Aldridge at 8,300. He's going to be playing a lot of the center minutes. And that's been a great matchup for centers this year. He's going up against DeAndre Ayton and the Suns. He has been really weak on defense. Aldridge should be able to put up a big game in this one. And also Vegas not really expecting this game to be a blowout. Only a five-point spread. The Spurs, they played some good games at the beginning of the year. But overall, I, I don't think this is a particularly impressive team. I think it's a borderline playoff team. And I don't really think that too many of their games carry blowout risk. From the Suns side of the game... Uh, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, I both think that they are fine to roster in this spot. Uh, Ayton did struggle a little bit last time out with 25 fantasy points, got into some foul trouble. But overall, he's been a pretty safe target this year. Uh, same goes for Booker. Booker, not a lot of big fantasy point games. Part of that has been because the Suns have been blown out quite a bit this year. 
But overall, Booker right around value most games. Not really too many duds that kill lineups, so pretty safe cash game play by my estimation. And the final game of the night with a 227 over-under. Right now, the highest one listed, but I think it's going to ultimately end up being the Pelicans. Uh, Timberwolves is the highest total once that one gets uh, gets opened up, once there's more injury news on Miritich and Peyton. But right now, Portland, LA, uh, Lakers here by 2.5 points, 227 point total. I think Lillard is a pretty sensible guy to pay up for at 8,800 in a plus matchup against the Lakers. And then we have uh, Nurkic is at 6,500. Not somebody I like to roster in cash games or for GPPs. Uh, Nurkic always, I think, makes some sense. From the Lakers side of the game, really cheap price for LeBron James now at 10,300. I think that is a bit too cheap for him. A little bit of lackluster fantasy performances recently. Uh, 44, 38, 55. He's only gone over 50 once in his last six games. Uh, I think that maybe a little bit discouraged LeBron with how much the team has struggled and uh, what the young guys have looked like. There was a report that came out today that he was actually a little bit unhappy with Brandon Ingram and felt that they couldn't mesh. Uh, I am notoriously low on Brandon Ingram uh, compared to other people's opinions on him. So I think for my entertainment, I would... I uh, find it very, very enjoyable if they were to part ways with Brandon Ingram. I don't think that's going to be the case, though. I think that LeBron James will figure it out. I think he'll settle in. Uh, 10300 I'm good with him for GPPs and cash games. Uh, I think that he's a little bit safer of a target than Anthony Davis. Um, but Anthony Davis, the higher upside play for tournaments. And then also from the Lakers, we have... Yeah, it's going to be tough to get behind some of the other big men now. Now that we have Tyson Chandler in the mix, it looks like maybe he'll take a couple minutes away from JaVale McGee, who's been priced up. And then just the wing guys like Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, uh, Josh Hart, Contavious Caldwell-Pope's in the mix now. Like I, I think we see a lot of those guys eat into each other's minutes, which makes them generally difficult to trust or target. So I think it's just going to be LeBron James for me from the Lakers' side of the game. So that is going to wrap up the podcast for Wednesday slate. Uh, only three games for Thursday, so I'm not going to have a podcast for that one, but I'll be back for Friday's eight-game slate. So I will talk to you guys later.